0: Welcome to Conversations with Zee and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's d-h-a-r-m-a-media.com. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Today, we're talking about the visceral loop, and that's a fancy term. If you break it down, it really means, how do we understand the world? So the visceral loop starts with the senses. We look, we taste, we touch, we get some impression of the world around us, and then that helps us make sense of a particular situation. So the loop is taking in that input and getting some resolution, some information about the world, about a situation, about a relationship, that allows us to reduce uncertainty, make decisions, and move forward. So it all seems pretty simple, and I think the maybe back in the day, Z, uh, this was easier to do. We didn't have as much junk cluttering up this visceral loop, so we'd get the information in, we would gain that understanding, that clarity, and we'd be on our way. But today, unfortunately, life is a little bit more difficult. So part of the difficulty is just because of technology and the pandemic. If you think about face-to-face interactions, those aren't really happening anymore. We've cut back on that because of texting. Uh, So phone calls are one step removed, and then beyond that, you've got texting. So you're getting information, but you're not getting confirmation through someone's expressions, through the tone of their voice. And today, even if you are meeting someone face-to-face, they might have a mask on, so you're struggling to even understand what they're saying because we take cues from the movements of people's lips, and that helps us interpret their words. So it makes it makes our job more difficult if we're trying to understand someone else. Z, you brought up another example that I thought was pretty interesting, uh, which is about teaching people Tai Chi or martial arts. And you have an instructor, for example, you've got students and you tell that student, rotate your hips, and instead of uh, moving their hips, they do something entirely different. Or you say, kick your leg up, and instead of kicking at a 45-degree angle, uh, they kick in a totally different direction. And the reason for that is that they're getting that information, but they can't actually feel what you're telling them. So to resolve that loop, they're filling in the blanks, and they're filling it in with a mental picture of their body and all of the overlays of how they're interpreting the words that you're providing and that can lead to miscommunication and a relatively poor understanding of the environment and the task at hand. And then if you go from that, from a purely physical activity to a more general discussion of how we interpret our environment, whether it's relationships or it's politics, our entire understanding of a situation, of our reality, doesn't just come from the information that we take in. It comes from our history, our biases, And the brain is always filling in the gaps. So if we don't have a complete picture, we just see something and it rushes by in a flash, we'll compare that to the thousands of other times that we've been in similar situations. And we'll fill in the blanks in terms of what happened. We'll also overlay it with our emotional responses to similar situations. And that colors the way that we interpret what's going on in front of our eyes, which to your point is why we've got people who might view the same event at the same time, but provide completely different accounts of what happened, because there's not that strong visceral connection. There is all of this interference by emotion, by history, by our biases. And that does a couple of things. I think at a very simple level, it makes it more difficult to understand what's going on in life. And two, if you step back from that, without that clear understanding it leads to anxiety because if you don't know what's happening in the world, you don't know how to respond. And then you're just sitting spinning your wheels trying to make sense of something and your mind starts projecting worst-case scenarios. Uh, you stew in, in thought and in that process where there's no resolution. Uh, there's just this endless mental back and forth, and that's not good for us at all. So, Z, talk a little bit about this concept of, of a visceral loop We've introduced it. We've talked about the reasons why people have difficulty interpreting the world around them. What though would you say is, is causing this? Uh, what, what is behind the breakdown in this visceral loop? And has it gotten more difficult over time for us to make sense of our world?
1: Yeah, Vin, we're, we are tethered to our evolutionary trends. Um, And there is nothing we can do about it as we are bound by gravity. And all we can really do, as with gravity, is understand the nature of gravity. We can work with it to harmonize ourselves with it, thus to be able to free ourselves from the constraints of gravity. With our own evolution, human beings, the Homo sapien, is able to Progress their evolution or to regress their evolution as we are seeing now. And if we understand how we work, how we've come to be, just a little bit, you don't have to be an evolutionary biologist or anything. Just understand trends within your own lifetime and within the lifetime of your parents in reflection. That this, the lack of the visceral loop, viscera, sensual, the body, the texture of things, without that loop, then we can never have a complete. Framing of our world without the complete framing of our world because nature abhors a void or vacuum It will be filled in with misinformation I say misinformation because it is not necessarily the, the the necessary information of the immediate moment I didn't say good or bad, but it is not the right information so an example of that is uh, people who text each other all the time, but they don't see the face of that person. They don't see their the affect of their face. They don't feel the texture of that person's hand touching them or hand on your shoulder and speaking to you. They don't see the nuances in the person's face that would alert you to whether they're being honest or dishonest. All that's missing. So all you're left with is a few words to frame a reality with, and whatever you can't fill in by interaction, visualization, sound, smell, touch, then you're going to fill in with uh, any kind of random bits of information. Why that's a challenge to our health and well-being is because right now we live in a world that is wrought with anxiety. I mean, we are so anxious. We are, we have normalized anxiety where there are medications Uh, my daughter came in and her dog's on anxiety medication. I mean, it's that bad where it's affected uh, even the the, the beast that we've invited into our lives where people are just anxious because we have so many voids in the way we frame our reality. Uh, You you talked about something we we spoke of earlier. Uh, Over the years, uh, I've been involved in this stuff for, for 50 years, my life practice. I share it with people. And every now and then when you're not Right with somebody, somebody will, will say, hey, here's the thing that you showed me, and it's nothing like what you showed them. What they're really showing you is what they hinted you were doing based on a memory of something else they did, based on an experience they once had, based on a place they once visited. So all these bits of information have come in and filled in that gap between that hands-on instruction or direction the affirmation in the voice, the confirmation in the physical expression that told the brain we have completed a task correctly and then offered the, uh, ne- the neurochemical reward and then you learn, that's how you learn. So imagine taking all of that away and leaving this void out there. So we go into why we like to in Dispassion Observer And the opt-out community, we really like to avoid political discussions because politics are not based on policy. It's not based on the greater good of society. It is not based on the betterment of man and humanity. It is based on narcissistic individuals enriching themselves at the expense of other people's fears, angst, and concerns. So you'll have a person who can wordsmith, not necessarily charismatic, but someone who can wordsmith and knows the right words or has the right team of people to pick the right words to keep you in an endless state of anxiety. Once you are anxious, you are no longer grounded. You no longer have polarities. So you can be pulled in any manner of directions. You can find yourself involved in mob violence, mass protest, whatever it is, while these puppeteers Who we call politicians are simply saying things with no connection to you, creating an incomplete visceral loop. So you're acting in a way that if you were to reflect upon it, you would probably be ashamed, embarrassed, or at least um, dismayed at your behavior. If you were to pull back and work on the visceral loop, you would have questions to ask. You would know that there are things that aren't said that need to be completed. And But because of the lack of visceral loop and the normalization of this deficit, we live in this anxious state. We can tie it into our personal life. As we spoke earlier, and we'll share with everybody, we were talking about when you are angry at your partner about something. And a lot of times it it, it isn't the immediate thing that happened. That was just the straw that overburdened or broke the camel's back. Because the hippocampus, the library of the brain, is storing all manners of notes of the day, and those notes of the day can go back to the day you met that person. a slight a misunderstanding that was never resolved. The visceral loop was never completed. We never finished this thing so we can be done with it. Mind you, when you have a visceral loop, you the loop is I'm done with it. I've done the complete check-in. I'm five by five. I've dotted my eyes and crossed my T. The contract is written and done, and we put it away, and it's done. We resolved it. We've moved on. When you don't do that, you have these things lingering so that one day that person will say something or do something, and this the void will drag up all of the other issues and bring things of the past into the present moment. Because Remember, past, present, and future are all um, one and the same. They're all relative parts of the time equation. So the hippocampus doesn't abide by time and space. It is a, a library, a moving record of everything that goes on in your life. And so you wonder why. Why did they act like that? Why did they explode like that? Well, you could take it back and then you finally go and you sit with a therapist or a friend and you just vent and just pour out all of this stuff that happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago that you just skimmed over. And you realize that because of those voids, or cracks, you could call them, these chinks in your armor, that now things are falling apart. And one party wants to feel like everything's okay and normalize, but if it's if it's if there are that many cracks in your armor, it cannot be armor that works anymore. So it the exercise of finishing the visceral loop. When you hear something, confirm it. Confirm what you heard by. A visual, a sensual, a textual, olfactory, how did it, the smell test almost. What was really going on? You know, years ago when you would hang out with somebody and they would come home from work, you could tell if they had been at work. Either they were either sweaty or stinky or whatever, or they were ready to take a shower, or whether they were just hiding out all day. And so whenever they told you something, oh, I had a rough day at work, you could smell the rough day at work. Or if you held their hands, you could feel the efforts of the day where their hands were maybe clammy and cold from the stress of the day. And it gave you a better picture of their experience. And it also gave you an opportunity to be more empathetic because you understood what they had gone through. Eliminate all that and what do we have? We're just floating from one barge of distrust and unknowing to another barge of distrust and unknowing, trying to frame a a whole a wholesome picture of an event. All these things are missing when you have someone who is uh, uh, that 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 offers you comfort, or they have elevated your life in any kind of way, and you just say, "Hey, thank you. You're the best. Thank you. You're the best." Well, there's a problem there. Because part of the classical visceral loop was dokshina and acts of sacrifice and gratitude. And how we see this society getting sick is that we're always talking about and complaining how great things are dying, the quality of art, the quality of care the quality of this, the quality of that. Well, we never nurtured it. We we had these simple ways of discarding, a simple thank you and discard. But if you think about people who have made you who you are, I think about uh, the great teachers I've had. And in particular, I remember when my martial arts professor, Mr. Baker, when I had returned as a young man from the military and I went back to the school, I had been gone for a number of years, And though I kept in touch through letters and phone calls, I had not been back to the school. And I went back to the school and I saw that it was in disrepair. And him being the quality of person was, he never complained about what he needed or wanted. I just looked and said, You know what? What do we need to do to get the school back in shape? He says, Oh, don't worry about it. You're just, you're you're great. What you're doing is wonderful. I'm so proud of you. And I felt. I felt, based on all the visceral inputs, what I saw, what I heard in his voice, that there was a great need for there to be a return of his sacrifice that, that he had given to me. There was an incomplete debt. So I went out and I I, I got a bank loan and I got a, a significant amount of money to repair the studio, repaint it, and do some things like it, get new computers and all that, and put some money in his bank account. Why is that important? Because any debt of gratitude that goes unpaid leaves a void in the sensual body. Your character does not have a foundation to truly push off of. If you do not support the people that support you, not in words. Words satisfy the ears. Actions satisfy the belly. Action satisfies the belly. So in order for us to be complete, all of those viscera need to attending to. Another example is when we hear rumor, unresolved rumor, And we entertain that rumor or that doubt or words, why it's important not to speak poorly of people out of their earshot where they cannot defend the picture being painted. And again, this is not a heavy thing, but it's a simple thing that creates annoyances and unhealthiness in our world. Say to people clearly and plainly in their presence what your thoughts and feelings are. Don't go to somebody else and discuss the problem you have with someone, right? Get it done immediately. That allows there to be a loop of resolution. The completion of the visceral loop. That ends the issue right there. It allows you to move on to game number two or whatever it is you're gonna do. And your stress index is greatly reduced because right now we live in stressful times. So we want to unburden ourselves with stress. And all the different things that we do that are counter to the visceral loop will introduce stresses either immediately or chronically into our life. You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, Z, I think that if I summarize what you're saying, it's a couple of things. Number one, we should strive to get that visceral confirmation. So to the extent possible, instead of texting someone, uh, let's uh, try and meet them in person or at least talk to them, get some other confirmation so that our mind isn't spinning trying to fill in the holes. Uh, It it also speaks to action, to dealing with people directly, uh, to resolving a problem through action instead of uh, just vague promises or vague forms of gratitude uh, that don't really resolve a a situation or a challenge. So I think those are good things to keep in mind. Uh, I do like the idea about where possible, making sure we get as much sensory input as we can, uh, so that uh, we've got a very clear understanding of our situation. But I want to talk a bit about when that breaks down and how it breaks down. So you mentioned that as a general principle We should seek to confirm something. If we hear something, instead of just allowing our minds to spin and saying, oh, my God, what if this happens? What if something else happens? Do the homework, talk to people, do some research, figure out what's really going on, and put it to bed. Either take action, don't take action. But we can put it down, and we can move on with our lives. However, if I look at what causes a lot of people anxiety today, it's almost things that you can't confirm or deny. It's just projections and possibilities that are spinning around in the mind, so it's devoid of any visceral input. Uh, you think about politics, and people are spinning nightmare selections about—sorry, uh, nightmare scenarios about the election. They're wondering what's going to happen if one candidate wins versus another, and if tax policy changes, what's that going to do? Or if the stock market crashes, what's going to happen? But there's no real way to know. Or even if you do know, there's nothing you're going to do to prepare. Nothing, there's no action to take. It's almost like the issue from a visceral standpoint is resolved. Do nothing. It doesn't have an immediate impact on your life. Uh, at best, you can sit back, monitor the situation, see how it evolves, and maybe take action at a future point. But we build it up to such an extent that it crushes us. It just cripples us and we're spiraling out of control, and we're wondering, oh, my goodness, how am I going to respond to these 10 things that might happen? Each of the the 10 things elicits some emotional response, so then we're getting all wound up emotionally. Then we have to blow off that emotional energy, so we're talking to friends about this, and as we're talking to friends, they're coming up with their own nightmare scenarios, and that leads to a different kind of a feedback loop where we're feeding off of each other, And these scenarios that we're creating, which are all, as you mentioned, coming out of the frontal lobe and have nothing to do with the actual visceral part of our system, they take on a life of their own. There's no check. I mean, there's nothing we can do uh, to put this behind us, to confirm or deny, because it's just all a figment of the imagination. So given that that's the reality, and maybe that's a different kind of loop or a loop that exists independent of this visceral feedback. How can we help people deal with that? Because I think it requires something different than trying to gather more information and confirming or denying.
1: There's a number of ways, Vin, uh, that, that we can reclaim the primacy of the vis- visceral loop, really reclaim our, our humanity um, from the brink of where we're at now. So you have a handful of people that are important in your life. It's a hard thing to acknowledge, but we're we're not as vastly important and popular as we think we are. We only know a handful of people by comparison to the 8 billion people on Earth. Look at the orbits of those people in your life, in your personal solar system, and make it a point for your own sake, just as if you were taking the right vitamins every day to check in with those people based on the frequency of their orbit in your life and the role they play in your identity. You check in. How are you doing? Let's get caught up. It doesn't take much time. It's just like watering your garden. One of those things. Because you're not necessarily helping them so much as you're actually helping yourself to be a more complete person to be of a more a, a fuller character, I should say. So you check in and, and, and you, you get the news of the day from them or the news of the week or the news of the month, or whatever it is that you need to do. Another thing is, you know as you hear the news of the day coming from different sources, the rumors, Vet through all of those things and see what's really relevant in your life. And so that you can save the energy of reaction for things that are really important in your life. What things will enhance your life? What will bring dread to your life? And then prioritize the sorting of those things according to where you have categorized them. Right? And those are really healthy things you can do to help reestablish the sensory visceral loop in your life. So you have your ones and twos. Those are the people you deal with every day you care about, your wife, your kid. You have your threes and fours. You have uh, friends, associates, cousins, uh, best friends, all that. You have your sixes and sevens, people you work with every day. And j- check in with them accordingly. And really, when you ask them, you hear somebody's going through something, You know, they're going through a health challenge or whatever. Switch the priority. Prioritize them and support them. Why? Not for them, but for your own sake. As we complain about the condition of the world, as we complain about a crisis or genocide around the world, we're connected to it in our non-connection, in our ability to turn away or turn on. Oftentimes, charity starts within arm's reach of you, within a phone call way. There's somebody in your life that you can offer support to that could relieve their burden and offer them an opportunity to enhance the lives of many others. But because we're disconnected and dysfunctional, we often find ourselves scattering our resources, both spiritual, emotional, and material resources, in ways that offer no good to anybody. We create an unsustainable environment. And so as we reclaim it, working on how did that thing feel? How did it smell? How did it taste? How did it sound? How did it feel? How did it look? Checking in with all of that. When you sit with the people in your life, if it's five minutes, really be present even if they you can't keep up with their chatter offer yourself as a sounding board and you'll learn a lot about yourself and i say this because we live in a time where the visceral loop is decaying our humanity is decaying as we complain about the fact that 70% of americans are metabolically unhealthy How did we get there and how are they there? Because they lacked information. They lacked connection. They no longer ate dinner at home. They no longer had a home-cooked meal, a sotwick meal by friends. They were going to fast food restaurants that were concerned with their bottom line, but not the waistline of their clients, of their customer. So we have medical concerns That small problems can be tended to immediately, but because of the overwhelming bureaucracy of medicine, people can't get the aid they need when it's minor and only when it's major. These are all things we've done to ourselves because of the disconnect. And remember, the lack of visceral connect, visceral loop, is the disconnect. Is the disconnect. It's kind of like when people date online and they have this thing where they call it, call you know, batfishing or, or or something. What's it called, Caitlin? Caitlin gets catfished or something all the time, where somebody faking to be somebody. Yeah, that's See this? <coughs> yeah. So she's telling me how she catfishes people. So what they do is they present themselves in words, without action, without deed, and without merit as somebody else, and let the person's imagination run wild. Is that right, Caitlin? Is that how it works? Caitlin can explain that to all you folks at all. She's not feeling too good right now, but she's she can explain it. She's an expert at that. So these people are really upset because they were deceived. But were they really deceived? Because all the person did was put an idea out, and then that person ran with that idea without testing the water. How did it feel? How did it taste? How did it sound? How did it look? How did it smell? And without those things, your reality then is open to any type of mal- malnarrative, right? Just any kind of junk can come up. This Just imagining how things are going to be, and then you, you're you disappointed because what you imagine never came to be. Well, it's, that's why I call it imagine. Imaging. It's not real. So for those of us who are opting out, we want a real life. We want a, a real life. So we pull away from the illusion, from the catfished world, and start checking things out. We start, as we know, you, in the season of politics, the elections tomorrow, and, and, and people are, are just hanging, waiting for you know, uh, hell to break out. And what I say to that is, in my 60 plus years of this life, I've seen all manner of politicians rise and fall. From the days of George Wallace threatening to kill little kids if they went to school, to uh, the death of Kennedy, and all these different things that people thought would steward in Armageddon. And then as history goes by and told, you see the same people, the same corrupt players, misguiding society. And the more that we lack the visceral loop, the more we're drawn into that, the more anxious and chaotic we are. The more it, it, it benefits volatile consumerism, the more indebted we become. Maybe not just financial indebtedness, but in character indebtedness. We just lose character. We lose faith in what we are as a species and human beings. We don't. We're no longer participating in our forward evolution. We're actually de-evolving. And again, this is one of the first generation. Those people born after nineteen ninety-five that aren't expected to live as long as people born before that. Because the effort has been taken out. The visceral loop mechanism has been removed from their life. There's online schooling. There's online this, online... Again, I love technology, but it was supposed to make our life better, not make us incomplete. And then from that, the side effect of that is the normalization of of shut ins, the number of people that are shut ins. I know so many people that are shut ins. Caitlin's a shut in. I know so many of them <laughs> that are just shut down. They just don't go anywhere. And now with the Kofifi, you can't even go to movies, right? You don't go to the movies. You don't go out. What do you guys do now? Other than what? What do you guys do? You get I mean, you get cats? What what do you do? No, I still hike and like Do you have friends you hike with? Yeah. It's dangerous out there. So who do you find the hike with? You catfish them and tell them what? What no, do you do? No,
0: I have real friends here.
1: Yeah, Caitlin actually has developed real friendships. So <laughs> she's she's really worked on this over the last couple of years. It was really pathetic before, but she's really worked on it. She has friends now. They go out hiking. But it's not too many people doing that anymore, right?
0: I, I don't know. It's yeah, not... see,
1: it's so few people she doesn't even know.
0: Well, I also don't consider them. I just do it because I like to do it.
1: Yeah, in other words, it's it's, it's it's cold out there, people. So because we have developed this, and I've talked to a lot of people that said, you know, I'm trying to get out of the house more and live life, but I don't know what that is. I hear that from a lot of people. So the visceral loop doesn't exist, so they're living through the imagination. And now we have politics based on imagination. Just pure imagination. All the politicians are selling an imagination. While they're they're physically, materially pocketing and walking away like looters. They're the truly looting society. Truly looting society. Their friends, their family members, everybody gets rich. And we're running around like a blindfold on our head, you know, in, in, in a garbage fight right? So for those of us who are opting out, we're going to look for new practices of how to connect, how to interact with others and ourselves in a much more sensual way. I want to feel things. I want to feel the texture of interaction. I want to hear a voice and see a facial expression. I want to hear the tenor of the voice, the highs, the lows, the pitches. I want to feel the emanation of emotion. I want to get a sense of the experience that is being shared. I want my senses to feel and have the impulse and resonance of your sense your sensation. So I understand your humanity, which then is a reflection of my own humanity. And you hear it every day, the deficit of that, and I've gotten so used to it, I used to comment on it. people I don't comment on it, people. You know people come up to you every day and they'll see someone suffering and says, "Whoa, I wonder how you're going to get through that. I wish you well." No, they don't. Their soul is gone. And then in turn, you feel resentment for your fellow human being, and then you just we just watch suffering like it's a circus. I was reading a book about the beggar wallas in India and how they would read the crowds of different areas. What beggar would elicit the most money? How depraved did the person have to be for you to give them a few rupees? Was it the limp, sickly baby hanging off the breast of an emaciated woman? Well, that's good for two dollars or two rupees. Well, what if we the woman had one leg? Well, that's good for a few more dollars. Well, what if the baby had one arm hanging off the breast of the one-legged lady with one eye? Well, that's a plus. Well, let's put it on the scooter with a guy with no legs who's the husband of... You know, so they have all these scenarios they work out to elicit humanity out of people. And the more grotesque it gets, the more disconnected with the more freakish the show has to be. And. Us as individuals who are opting out and who are trying to create an arc of, of, of enlightenment, it is within our best interest to practice the visceral loop, to re-sensualize ourselves so we can really read the pulse of our world and know where's the best place to be so we can not only survive but thrive in these times that are barren of humanity. You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, I think I can break this down. So you're saying form real relationships, get off your lazy ass and figure out what's actually going on in the world. Get out of your head. Don't let your imagination spin out of control. And doing all, the, all of those things restores some visceral sensation. It gives us a good sense of what's happening in the world, reduces anxiety so we're not just spinning our wheels. And we can go forward, uh, move about our life productively. So I think all that is very sound advice. I totally agree with it. I think about something like relationships and uh, just not having that connection. And we lose that connection, as we've talked about in the past, because of technology and people are distracted. You're not getting that sensation of connection from someone, whether it's a glance or it's a physical touch. And I think that's a real cost. So just a simple example of how restoring that visceral connection can bring our heart rate down, our blood pressure down, rejuvenate us, and it doesn't take a lot of effort. It just requires that we're present and we're focused on the other person instead of being wrapped up in our imagination. So Z, let's accept all of that, but I want to talk about a different kind of a problem. So everything we've been talking about so far has been a lack of sensory input primarily We've talked a little bit about the imagination spinning out of control and the fact that we need to rein that in, really discern what's important to us versus what's not so we can let go of the need to fantasize about things that really have no bearing on our life. But let's talk about emotions for a second. So you said this at the outset about how when we're dealing with people, sometimes we don't even know what's going on because we're not in the present When we look at someone, we see the accumulation of 10 or 20 or 30 years of history with that person, for better or for worse. So either we love them and everything they do, we look at in a favorable light, or in certain cases, we just really resent someone and we can't get past that. So whatever they do, however well-intentioned they are, we're going to view it through that lens. And maybe it's also contextual. Maybe the same person, in certain situations, we trust them and we listen to what they're saying. In other situations, it arouses envy or hatred, and we can't get past that. So we can't maintain a firm, visceral connection. How do we deal with that? And I know you've used the term in the past, washing the senses, clearing out the accumulation of historical biases and emotional responses. How can we do that so that when we approach interactions, we're doing it de novo, with a fresh set of eyes? So it's almost like we're seeing something as it is in its pristine condition without the accumulated weight of our past experience.
1: Again, you, you, I always talked about the sensual wash, but also the clarity exercises um, that requires uh, an exercise in introspection. I was thinking about that oftentimes when I work with people, I've worked with people for years. Some people see me as a parental archetype. And over the years, it, it, it was it's very annoying In a sense, because I knew that once that was triggered in a person, that the relationship would become tenuous, troublesome, and sometimes I would feel the resentment that the people had towards their parents that was visited upon me, because I become the parental archetype. And so what I've learned to do is create healthy boundaries and then assist that person in having a better understanding of their parental relationship and extracting me from that so that if they were mad at their mom or dad even though they love them that they would not magnify that behavior towards me so that's one example I often work with couples um, that are not communicating well and I give them an opportunity by using certain tools to just say what's on your mind without fear of rejection. Because that fear of rejection, that haunting, that phantasm, that ghost of things of the past and the ghost of the of a, of a bad future prevents people from speaking up, right? They're walking on eggshells with people. And they don't realize the actual walking on eggshells is worse than whatever else they could have imagined. Because that gives birth to whatever they imagined was gonna go wrong. The resentment, the stress, the endless pressure, the lack of enjoyable interaction because everybody's walking on eggs. So I give them a forum in which they can simply say and speak and share the hauntings of their mind. Because remember, a lot of it's not real, it's imagining. And once we can separate what is real from what we're imagining. And remember, reality is what is happening right then, right now. It's not yesterday. It's not last year. It's not going to be next year. Reality is the fleeting moment of now that you acknowledge and it's passing. So getting people into the now that sets you up for the next step in the now, that sets you up for the steps in the future, So you can plot out the intimate course of your life by doing a right now exercise. If you have self-doubt, if you have fears, if you have any of those things, speak them up. Reveal them in their nakedness right there. Sweat, tremble, shake, do whatever you have to do, but do it now, as is said in the great Sutras of Patanjali right now, the exercise. And though that gives a purging of the senses so that you can reset them and say, oh, here I am right now. Here's what I feel. Not what I think I'm going to feel. Not what I felt. Here's what I am feeling and here's what I'm knowing. And I also know that I don't know everything. I cannot speak for another person. So I'm going to share with you this. And then we also can work on the the temperament in which we present or we receive understanding. And so those are exercises you can do, the the right now exercise. When we have issues that sometimes cannot be resolved, not everything can be fixed because maybe that's the way it is. Maybe it's not broken. Not every person needs to be fixed. Those things that make them different or flawed or whatever it is, are part of the whole. The imperfection represents the purity of the being. So accepting that and then finding that ground of diplomacy, that zone of clarity between two people, the give and take zone is a very healthy place to get to, but you can't get there holding on to phantoms, you see? And when it comes to supporting your own process, sacrifice is never ending. The sacred fire never ends. If someone has benefited your life and they are suffering, then you are a thief. That doesn't mean you can fix all of their problems. I'm not saying that. But you can unburden your debt by supporting the person that has bled for you, be it a parent, be it a mentor, you don't have to like or dislike them, but you look at the quality of your life and say, this person has given me great quality in my life, and here is their dilemma, and I'm going to offer them remedy, comfort, love, devotion, whatever the hell it is, and do that. Next thing, when it comes to yourself, be in the now of yourself. Don't talk about what you do great. Look at your shortcomings. Work on your shortcomings. Work on your challenges. Work on your fears, your egocentrism, your narcissism. Face it without um, reward or disregard. Just face it and say, these things are hindrances, so I want to work on them so that I can be present in the visceral loop. I can be alive right now. You follow me, Vin?
0: So if we can listen with that open mind and open heart, even if we don't completely resolve the issues, they might plague us. Maybe it's a longer process of really purging the emotional baggage that's accumulated. But at least we can set it aside for a second, lighten our load, and be able to have a productive interaction. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. I would just reiterate in closing a few of the things we've talked about. To me, this is a very powerful conversation uh, because I think it illuminates our need, number one, to have a strong visceral connection so that we can make sense of the world, be able to take decisive action, and get out of this loop of endless anxiety, which is just so draining and debilitating. So being aware of that visceral connection is important. In terms of strengthening that visceral connection, let's go out. Let's get as much information from the physical world that we can so we don't have to waste our time filling in the holes. Let's establish real relationships with people. Uh, Let's prioritize so that we know what's important and what's not, and we can invest our time accordingly. And finally, as you're saying, unburden yourself in the moment. So if there is some issue which is preventing you from having that connection, put that out there as well, and that at least should allow you to move forward. And Z, I think if we do this, we're much better prepared to reclaim our mind, to stop the endless churning And end up in a position where, as you're saying, we can really live, because living is about what's happening in the moment. We can understand what's happening in the moment, and we can respond as we need to.
1: You're absolutely correct, Vin, and we're going through interesting times, and it's about sheltering in place, um, keeping your resources close, and the human resources that we share with one another are the most valuable things we can share. As the Tides of politics and pandemics and environment go up and down. It has always been the arc of humans that are intelligent, that have weathered the storms. History has shown us that. And we live in times where there is a void of intelligence, Um, there is mass appreciation for ignorance. And so we do it well by, again, Pulling our resources inward and cultivating that visceral loop, the real world versus the faux world. All right, Vin?
0: All right. So let's go out and do that and stop the thinking, the analyzing, and actually get out there and live. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.